Welcome back, everyone, to the Retro Chat Podcast. My name is Andy Evans, and we are coming to you right here from Weymouth in Dorset. It's been a week since the last new show. Um, you might tell, you might be able to hear, but as the show goes on, I've had uh, that super cold uh, thing, so my, uh, my, uh, my chest has been full of cold, and I've only just got my voice back. But welcome back to the Retro Chat Podcast. Welcome back to another show. It's Christmas. It's December. We're on the road to November 25th, and we are kicking it off in great style this time because you can see down the bottom of the screen right there we're going to be talking about star trek 6 but let's uh let's let's look at why we're going to be talking about this topic this week so the reason why we're talking about it is because it's the 30 year anniversary of star trek 6 the undiscovered country it premiered on december the 6th of 1991 we're going to be talking more about the film, memories of it, because I remember this one. I'm going to see it with my father. But before we do that, let's find out how you can get in contact with us right here at the Retro Chat Podcast. All the social media details are on screen. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitch at Retro Chat Podcast. Tweet us at Retro Chat Pod. And you can subscribe on all the main platforms, Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn, Amazon, wherever you think we will be there. So, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, was directed by Nicholas Mayer. It was the sixth and the final outing for the original cast of Star Trek. It took place after the events of Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And it's, it's designed to be the farewell. It's designed to be the goodbye to that original cast. But actually, the original premise for it was to be a prequel. And it would have younger actors portraying the crew of the Enterprise whilst attending Starfleet Academy. And it would be narrated by DeForest Kelly, of course, who was a Dr. McCoy. That didn't work, though. That premise didn't get taken off the ground. And it was actually down to Nicholas Meyer, who previously had directed Star Trek II's Wrath of Khan, um, and a story idea by Leonard Nimoy about what would happen if the wall came down in space. Because in his mind, Leonard Nimoy had said, look, you know, we use the Klingons as our version of the Russians, right? During the original series, the Russians and the Cold War. So what would happen if, if this really took place? That's the story they went with. And this is what we got. Now, as I said, it was released on North America on December the 6th, 1991. It gained positive reviews with publications praising the lighthearted acting, the setting, the references, and it performed strongly at the box office. Now, the box office take for this film was an incredible $96.8 million, and its original budget was $27 million. So the amount of turnover there was in tremendous. In 2004, a special collector's edition version of the film was released in which Nicholas Mayer made some minor alterations, but fortunately or unfortunately, Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, died shortly before the movie's premiere, just days after viewing the film. So what's the plot? Well, in 2293, a shockwave strikes the USS Excalibur, who is now being uh, captained 
by Hikaru Sulu. They discover that Praxis, a Klingon moon, has been destroyed. And the loss of Praxis and the destruction of the Klingon homeworld's ozone layer froze the Empire into turmoil. The Klingons can no longer afford war with the UFP, so they look for peace. And Starfleet sends the Enterprise to meet with Gorkon, the Klingon Chancellor, and escort him to Earth for negotiations. Now, Captain Kirk, whose son David was murdered by Klingons, opposes conciliation and actually resents the assignment. So shoot forward. The Enterprise meets up with the Klingons. They have dinner. Some great comments regarding uh, you, you don't know Shakespeare until you've heard the original, which I think is tremendous. Um, and then Gorkon is killed. And we don't know who has killed Gorkon. All we can see is that two people from the Enterprise have beamed over. And we have a great shot of blood in artificial gravity just floating around all over the place. One of the best scenes of everything. General Chang, who is Gorkon's chief of staff, arrests Kirk and McCoy. They are found guilty after a nice little cameo by uh, Michael Dorn, who plays uh, an elder of uh, Lieutenant Commander Worf. And they're sent to Rorapenthe, which is a bit like um, the, the penal colony from Voyager. But it's a lot worse. It's a lot harsher. Um, based in the, in the cold, really. It's in the snow. And Kirk and McCoy are befriended by a shapeshifter called Martia, who offers them an escape route. There's a great scene where there's a fight between Kirk and Kirk because Martia turns into him. And in the end, Kirk and McCoy are beamed aboard the Enterprise by Captain Spock, who had assumed command and undertaken an investigation into Kirk's absence. They determined that the Enterprise didn't fire the torpedoes and that the assassins are still on board. Spock forces a mind meld with his protege Valaris, played by Kim Cattrall, and learns that there's a cabal of Federation Klingon and Romulan officers who are conspiring to sabotage the peace talks. The torpedoes that struck Gorkon's ship came from General Chang's, which can fire while cloaked. The Enterprise and the Excelsior race to the Kittimer for the peace accords. Klang's cloaked ship attacks and inflicts damage on both ships. At the suggestion of uh, Lieutenant Uhura, Spock and McCoy modify a torpedo to home in on the exhaust emissions of Chang. The torpedo impact reveals Chang's ship and the Enterprise and the Excelsior destroy. And there's a great scene at the end where the crew of the Enterprise are on the bridge and they go, where next? And Kirk says, Second star to the left and straight on to morning. This was released in the fifth season of The Next Generation. We knew afterwards that we were going to have generations, which would be that meeting of Picard and Jim Kirk. But at the time, this was the swan song. The Next Generation was fully embedded, popular with the Trekkies. And 
it was a great handing of the guard. Now, we had the original crew. As I said, we had all of them. Uh, I would say that George Takai was a was a supporting character in this one. This was still all about Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, as we all know. But we had some really nice little cameo appearances. Christian Slater uh, made an appearance. Kim Cattrall played Savick. Brock Peters was Admiral Cartwright, who most longtime trackies will know was the father of Benjamin Sisko in um, Deep Space Nine. René Aubergeonois, Odo from DS9, was Colonel West. And Michael Dorn, as we mentioned, uh, was Colonel Worf. The character is meant to be the grandfather of Worf, and it's the character that Dawn plays, as we know, on The Next Generation. For me, what was it about this film? Well, Trek and my father and myself and our relationship was always stronger with Star Trek. Because I remember watching Trek on a Wednesday on BBC Two, and I've done this story before. But this film, Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, was the last movie that my father and I ever went to see together. And I remember driving, well, my dad drove down to UCI at Tower Park in Poole, and we sat and watched the film. So it will always have a memory for me as being uh, one of the best. And uh, I, I love every minute of this film. I love the the ending. I love the fact that it, it needs it up nice with a bow. And the last scene where you see all the signatures coming on screen is just such a fitting way to finish the story of the next generation, of, of the original series, not the next generation. Now, that would be the last feature film for three years. There wouldn't be another movie until 1994 when Genesis generations uh was released and that was the first movie of the next gen cast and that would feature of course jimmy Doohan, um walter koenig and of course william shatner but this was it this was the last time we were going to see any of these characters really again together because the next generation was so big at that time a lot of the sets that they used in this movie were repurposed TNG sets. The um, Federation was a TNG set. The bridge was reworked from, from the next generation because they had it. It was there. So they didn't need to spend as much on the budget in order to do that. This film just had everything. It really did. It was released in North America on December 6th. It was meant to be released um, a week later on December the 13th. To promote at that point, the 25th anniversary, Paramount held marathon screenings of the previous five films in 44 select US and Canadian cities. And the 12 hour showings included footage of the undiscovered country. Nimoy, had requested $1 million to cameo on Next Generation appeared in the two-part episode Unification that aired during November of 91 to increase interest in the film. The five films were released in a collector's box set with new packaging. 
and retailers were offered the chance to photograph their retail setups for a chance to win an expenses paid tour of the TNG set. As we said, Roddenberry did not live to see the film's release. He died of heart failure on October the 24th of that year. But before the film was released, he viewed a near final version of the film. And according to the producer and Kelly's biographer, approved it. Now, in contrast to that, both Nimoy and Leonard Nimoy, uh, William Shatner, sorry, memoirs report that after the screening, he called his lawyer and demanded a quarter of the scenes be cut. The producers refused, and within 48 hours, he had passed away. Paramount considered spending close to $240 to send Roddenberry's ashes into space in a move that had the backing of fans, but decided against it. His remains would make it into space along with another 22 others in 1997. The film's opening included a note to Roddenberry's memory and an early showing to the crowds of Star Trek fans applauded loudly. Now, while the producers had begun work on the film, anticipating it is the last, by the premiere, it was obvious the film would make money and that Star Trek VII would soon be in the works. The cast was split. Shatner, Nimoy and Kelly said that the film would be their last, while the supporting cast strongly lobbied for another film. The consensus was for the next film to star the cast of The Next Generation, and the seventh feature, Generations, would blend the old and the new. The Undiscovered Country opened in 1,804 theatres in North America and grossed $18,162,837 in its opening weekend. The showing was a record for the film series and was the top grossing film of the weekend. It grossed $74,888,000 in North America for a total, 96, as we said earlier on, million dollars worldwide. The Undiscovered Country showing was one of the big successes of 1991, a year in which the film industry experienced overall disappointing box office results. It was nominated in sound effects editing and makeup categories at the 64th Annual Academy Awards. It won a Saturn Award for Best Sci-Fi Film, making it the only Trek film to win the award. The novelization of the film by J.M. Dillard was also a commercial success, reaching the publisher's weekly mass market paperback bestsellers list. The critical reception was much nicer than that of The Final Frontier. It got an approval rating of 82% based on 54 reviews with an average rating of 6.85 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes. CinemaScore gave the film a grade A- on a grade of A to F. It was one of the best movies in Star Trek history. It stands the test of time now to this day. It was tremendous. I'm going to let you go. Thank you for joining me. That is it for this edition of the Retro Chat Podcast. You can tell my voice is beginning to go. Uh, I'm going to be back soon with more, uh, including uh, a look at WCW Mayhem. We're going to be talking Blackadder's Christmas Carol, and we're also going to be touching on Back to the Future. But until then, thank you for joining me. If you would like to get in contact on social media, then you can do all of the details are on screen right now. 
Facebook and Instagram at Retro Chat Podcast, Twitch at Retro Chat Podcast, tweet us at Retro Chat Pod, or listen to the audio feed on all of the main podcast providers. But until then, I thank you for joining me. My name's Andy Evans. I will see you very soon for more of the Retro Chat Podcast. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.